Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be picking up in verse 8 tonight. 2 Kings 6, 8. If you'll remember with me, we've been, um, in our last lesson, we've seen the miracle of an axe head, an iron axe head floating. So, uh, We've seen the Syrian Naaman come down uh, because of the witness of a servant girl. And he comes down and ends up going to the Jordan and dipping seven times. We've seen this as being washed and cleansed and being sanctified. And then after that, we have um, Elisha and the Bible college, we could call it. It's the house of the prophets. It's too small. It um, they were growing people were coming wanting to learn the word of God and so they go down to the Jordan to cut and they've got axes and one of the men that was serving and chopping he uh, the axe head fell off and landed in the water and he was concerned he said alas master for it was borrowed and he was concerned about somebody else and this this really is always a, a, a good sign of a heart that uh, is come to salvation is when they're really concerned with somebody else and not consumed with self. Always just consumed with self. But they're concerned about something that they borrowed. They're concerned about something they're doing. But then he knows where to look. He looked to Elisha, the prophet of God, which is where the word of God come from. And Elisha says, uh, where did it fall? And he gets him involved. Listen, the word of God gets you involved always. Always with the kingdom of God. The word of God gets you involved with the miracles of God. See, when we take the word of God to others and people come to salvation, that is a miracle in itself. Now, I know people will say, well, if I've seen a miracle, well, listen, when people come to Bible study, when people come to Jesus, when people are concerned about the word of God and they're living for God and they used to be out in the streets living for themselves, that is the biggest miracle, the greatest miracle. That is the miracle we want to see. So what does he say there? He's in 6B. And he cut a stick and threw it in the water. And he made the iron swim, King James says, made it float. Now, I believe that stick represents the cross. The cross in the water makes our hard heart or our iron head uh, float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. And see how the servant, the one who was coming to the word of God, who was looking for answers, who was concerned about this, he had to obey. He had to get involved. And he was able to be involved in the supernatural of God. Man does the natural and God does the supernatural. Reach out your hand and get involved in the kingdom of God. Um, according to the word of God and the spirit of God. Now let's look, verse 8. Now the king of Syria was warring or making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My encampment or my camp will be in such and such a place. Now listen, remember always, we're in the Old Testament, 
And when it says Israel, it's referring to the northern ten um, tribes. When it says Judah, it's referring to the one or one and a half. A little bit of Benjamin stayed with the tribe of Judah. So Israel, when it says this, is referring to the northern tribes that have set up golden calves. And they've got one in Bethel and I think one in Samaria. And, and they're worshiping them. And they've uh, went apostate. They're walking away from God. And they're going to be first to go into captivity. But listen to me. What I want you really to see is that Syria is warring against them. Now, the thing is, is that when there's salvation, there's going to be miracles. When you know Jesus and you're sharing the word of God, there's going to be people that come to salvation. But there's also going to be war. Spiritual war is part of the entire life of the Christian. Because Paul tells us that we're no longer to regard anybody as flesh and blood anymore. This is a spiritual war. There is a spiritual realm. You and I are spirits in a body. Not bodies with a spirit. We have to understand that we are spirits that are going to live somewhere for eternity. And if we know Jesus, then we're going to live in heaven with him. And so there's going to be war. There's always going to be war. Now, Syria has been attacking Israel. Syria has been attacking and been attacking and been attacking. And we're going to see they will keep attacking no matter what. And I think Syria, is, God raises up enemies. God allows foreign countries to attack. We're going to see Syria. We see the Philistines that continue to attack. This is something that God allows. And when he allows war to go on, it's so that we will pray. So that we will cry out to God. So that we will learn to trust in God in every single battle. Every bit of the war, all we're called to do is stand. We're called to stand. Now notice you can see that the uh, king of Syria, he is consulting with his servants. Listen, the enemy has servants. When we look in uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians, we know that our war is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers. It's spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And they're consulting together. They're going out together. The devil's giving them instructions to go out and to deceive, to go out and to entice, to go out and to tempt and seduce to draw people away from what? From trusting God. From believing in God, yes, but the Christian from trusting God, from following God, from obeying God. So there is this consultation or this counsel that is going on, but the men of God, the people of God, should be seeking counsel also. The Bible tells us, in the multitude of counselors wage your war. So you and I need to know what the Word of God says, what the heart of God is, where the Spirit of God is leading us, and we need to learn the truth of God. That's why I believe that it's impossible. All things are possible with God, so i got to use that word lightly. But for someone to know God and not to want to know the Word of God, Learning the Word of God is learning the mind of God, the heart of God. Learning the Word of God is finding out the character, the nature, the will, 
the name of God. Everything about God is revealed to us here in the Word of God. Now, I'm not telling you that other things won't be revealed about God, but they'll always be lining up with the Word of God. God has shown us everything we need through this Word. That's why we need to learn it, and we need to dig deep. We need to spend time with God in the Word, prayer, and fellowship to prepare our lives for the war, the warring that's coming. Now, notice that the Syrians, they had come many times. And, I, and I'd like to say to you that there's a lot of things going on in your life uh, as a Christian, but there's also those things where the enemy comes and he makes his camp. He tries to camp out or an encampment. Let's see what it means, encampment. He tries to make an encampment, that's what it means, where he's deeply trenched in. And the Word of God is the only thing that can dig that out. So let me ask you this. Is the enemy camping out in your life today? Where is he camping at? Do you understand what his tactics are? He's a, he's a tacticianist. Is there a place that he's seducing you, that he's misleading you, that he's tempting you? Then you need to understand that the Word of God and the Spirit of God is to help for the man of God to take thoughts captive and have direction in where to go. Now watch what happens here. They come and encamp in such and such a place, but it's interesting that the Word of God, the prophet of God, is where the Word of God comes. Remember, we've been through this many times as we go through the Old Testament and we learn about the prophet. Hebrews 1.1 tells us, In past times, in divers' manners, God spoke to the prophets, but in these last days, He speaks to His Son, Jesus. So in the Old Testament, all the Word of God would come from the prophet. So when we see the prophet, Elisha, we know that he is bringing the instruction. He's bringing the word of God. He's bringing the heart of God to people. Look at verse 9. And the man of God, this is Elisha, the prophet, sent to the king of Israel, Jehoram is who the king is at this time, saying, beware. Listen, when the word of God tells you to beware, you should beware. You should know the enemy is going to attack, but you need to beware when the enemy tells, or excuse me, when the word of God tells you to beware that you do not pass this place. So stay away from this place is what he's saying, for the Syrians are coming down there. So listen, the word of God knows where we fall at. The spirit of God knows where we need to be led at. And here they combine together and they're telling the king even though he's even apostate, even though he's not obeying properly, even though he's practicing false religion, the prophet is still warning him. Why? Because they're the people of God. God wants them to repent. God wants them to turn back. God does not want them to go fully into captivity. He wants them to come back to him. So he's still showing his grace and mercy and his love upon them. Listen, saint, if you think what you do is why you're saved, if you think that what you've done is why you've saved, if you think that you're saved from some other reason besides of grace through faith because of the mercy of God, you're in trouble at the heart of your Christian walk. Listen, you can't make God love you anymore by obeying. You can't get any more saved by obeying. But the fruit of salvation should be to obey the word of God and be led by the spirit of God for the glory of God. 
So there's where you need to repent and come back. And here the word of God is saying, hey, the enemy's coming. Hey, the enemy's in such and such place. Hey, the enemy is there. Don't go there. Don't open the bag. The enemy says, don't go there because, or excuse me, the word of God says, the enemy's going to be there. Where is he camping out in your life? Listen, it's going to take the word of God to dig out those strongholds, them deeply entrenched sins. But you've been set free of them, and now you need to allow the word of God and the spirit of God to lead you away from the camp of the devil, the place where he continues to entice you and seduce you. You do not want to go to the enemy's camp. So look what he says here. Don't go there. There's a strong warning. Beware. Now it's interesting. The word beware means be watchful. It means to observe, to regard, to mark this place, to put a hedge about it, to guard and protect. It means to take heed. Right? Take heed. This is the word that's coming to the king of Israel, Jehoram, in uh, uh, Samaria, probably. So what does he do in verse 10? Listen to me. He sends someone. Then it says, the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him, thus be warned, beware. And he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Now listen, the word beware and the word watchful there, same exact words. And he went, so he was warned by the word of God to beware, so he was being aware. But he wanted to make sure that the word that he got was truthful, so he was watching there also to see, is this working? Is the word of God working in my life? Is the word of God warning me properly? And as he watched, he seen that the word of God was protecting him. The word of God was always keeping his promises. And I'm here to tell you that God is faithful even when we're faithless because he cannot deny himself. God has sent his word to heal the land. You can trust him. When he tells you to beware, when he tells you to be watchful, when he tells you to be warned and to stay away from there, you should stay away from there. He's not being mean. He's loving you. He's drawing you out. He wants you to change your desires change the way you think. He wants to change everything about us. See, positionally, new heart, new home, new life, salvation. Practically, our thoughts, our desires, and the way that we walk and live, everything has to be practically surrendered over to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Therefore, we have to learn what the Word of God says and learn to have a relationship with the Spirit of God so we can be led in the right places so that we're not going down to the enemy's camp. So the king, he checks this out uh, more than once. Therefore, what happens? Listen, because the, the king of Israel was being circumspect is one of the words that it means. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us to walk circumspectly, uh, redeeming the time for the days are evil. It means as exactly as possible. He was being watchful. He was obeying the word of God, even though uh, they are worshiping golden calves. 
and they have some issues, God is drawing them back. He says this in, in verse 11, uh, change kings. We're now in the king of Aram or Syria. Aram uh, is really what it's called too. And Aram was like the sixth born, I think, from Shem. Did I have that somewhere? Fifth born of Shem means exalted. He's exalting himself here. Look at 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So now he's, listen to me. The king is just sending out these little uh, raiders or marauding it's not a whole army. It's just some small bands of people to attack. And that's what happens in our life. The enemy sends stuff to attack us and sends stuff to attack us. And if we listen to the attack, we follow the lie. If we listen to God's word and stand on truth, we keep going and growing in the truth. And so he's sending them out. And every time he starts to send them out, the word of God, the prophet of God, tells the king of Israel where not to go. He says there's going to be a, a marauding band in that area. And I, and I seem to think that uh, maybe the king in this physical sense sent soldiers there to protect. Maybe he was there to protect and he checked it once or twice. And there it's like he has his battle plans. And so the king of Syria begins to think there's a spy in his camp. He begins to think what in the world? How in the world do they know where I'm going to attack? How in the world do they know what I'm doing? And uh, he says, which of you is for the king of Israel? But notice the answer, 12. Notice the answer in 12. And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, Tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your chamber room, in your bedroom. Listen to me. Have you ever been listening to the word of God? Have you ever been hearing the word of God and it sounds like that God is speaking clearly to you? Take heed. Be watchful there. He's speaking to you. This is what the word of God does. It's living and powerful. This is what the prophet is doing. He knows the enemy. The word of God knows our hearts and our enemy and what is destroying us. And he loves us so much that he will warn us. He'll tell us to be watchful. He'll tell us to fight that battle and where to go and where not to go. We can trust the word of God. Listen to me. One of the greatest problems in the church today, the so-called church, we call it culturanity is that the people of God do not know the word of God, so they can't have the mind of God or understand the heart of God and find out their identity in God. We must read the word of God. We must spend time in it and stop trusting in everything else except for God. We turn everywhere except to God. So the enemy knows now, one of his servants in the enemy knows that the reason the king is being warned, the reason the king is not being able to be hurt down in those areas is because of the word of God that comes from the prophet of God that warns the king. So 
the king of Syria said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And he was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Now Dothan means two wells. So they knew where to find the word of God. They just didn't want to obey the word of God. Listen to me. Because Syria, God loves Syria. God wants to bring Syria to salvation. Don't bring that into your analogy if you're looking at Syria as the enemy and as the devil. Salvation has not been prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. Salvation is for flesh and blood. Hell has been prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. They've already been in the presence of God. There is no salvation for them anymore. So, But here in the physical sense, they look for the prophet of God and they seek to take the word of God captive. See, listen, if you can't hear the word of God, if you're not getting the word of God, then you won't know what the enemy's doing. But when you just stand in the word of God and obey the truth, it doesn't matter what the enemy's doing. You're obeying your master, your king. You're obeying the word of God. Then the enemy can't get you because you're protected by the word of God. So the enemy wants to come and take the word of God captive. Well, where are they getting the word of God from? So let's attack that place. Let's go to Dothan, down to the two wells. And listen to me clearly, people. That is life. There is two wells. And as people, we have to choose which well we're going to drink from. Are we going to drink from the well of living water or the well of death? Are we going to drink from the broken cisterns of religion, the broken cisterns of this world, the broken water lines of the devil? Or are we going to drink from the living water of God Almighty? He invites us to come and drink, to sup with him, to have fellowship with him. So the word of God is in Dothan. You know what's important at Dothan? You know where Dothan's at? You remember what Dothan was? It's in Genesis 37. You can read that later if you like. But when um, Joshua, no, excuse me, Joseph, went down looking for his brothers, and he's wandering in a field. He's coming, he's coming to save them. Listen, because Joseph is a type of Christ. He's coming to save them, and he's wandering in this field, searching for them, and someone tells them they went to Dothan. Did you say for in Alabama when I said, where's Dothan? You did say that, didn't you? I just heard that. Because we've drove through there many times going to Florida. That was funny. I never even heard it. It just echoed in my head. I heard that out of your little voice that you don't have very often. That's funny. But Dothan is where the guys had went, and they see um, their brother coming, and they make a plan to kill him and throw him in a pit. And Judah says, no, let's don't kill him. Let's save him, and, and, and we can sell him. And he protects his life. But, you know, that, that's a picture of Christ coming to his own and his own not receiving him. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Listen to me. It's those who believe, pistio, trust in his name, his character, his nature, and his will, his authority. To those who have a constancy 
faith in him, not to be turned by the enemy, not to be moved by other armies, not to be scared by COVID or anything like that, that the enemy would drum up to scare the servants of God. But we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. We are standing in the victory of the cross of Christ. The battle is always going to be. The war is always going to be. The enemy is always going to come to try to keep you from trusting God and his provision. He's going to always try to get you to move or to enter his camp and become a POW and not walk in God's camp. He's always going to try to get you to do something that's out of the will of God. Notice, again, verse 13. He commissions his men to find out where the word of God is, the prophet, that he may send and get him. He wants to take him captive. He wants to move him somewhere else. He doesn't want the in, a, or in this case, his enemy, which is the people of God, he doesn't want Israel to be able to get the instruction of the word of God. Listen to me. Think about this in correlation with the enemy who's trying to be, the, he is the enemy of your soul. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to defeat you. He wants to take the word of God captive and keep you from getting the instruction and the leading of God's word and God's spirit. He wants to take it captive and get it away where you can't hear it. So he doesn't want you to be in the word prayer fellowship. He doesn't want you to hear clear teaching. So he raises up, and this is what we see in our land today, that the enemy, the devil, raises up his synagogues of Satan. He starts all kinds of false religion. He starts all kinds of worship. He starts all kinds of things that keep you active and busy and away from the word of God so you don't get the instruction of God and so you don't know where the enemy's camped out because you're not listening to God and then he can take you captive and you become a prisoner of war a POW instead of standing and seeing that the battle is already won salvation is already finished now you need to learn your identity you need to learn who you are in Christ and continue to draw near and continue to stand and continue to grow in your faith and continue with a constancy growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see he finds out, he knows where they're getting the word from, he knows where he's at, he's down at the twin uh, wells in Dothan. And therefore, verse 14 he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now notice this. Before it was just a little bit of they're warring against, they're raiding, they're going in, they're checking to see, is there a place we can attack and, and get away? And the word of God is saying, no, stand guard. The word of God is protecting. And then now they take a whole army. They bring a whole army and they come by night while men were sleeping. They come by night and they surrounded the city.
And when the servant of the man of God, now it's interesting, remember, because we've seen uh, that the man of God, who is Elisha, we're not getting these words. Notice that he's not saying when Elisha, the servant of Elisha, it's the man of God. It's the servant. Remember, we had another one before. What was his name? Gehazi. He was the previous one. Now listen to me because this is very important. Very important. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out. Listen. There's only one position in the kingdom of God. And that's servant. All of us are called to be servants. Like Christ. The suffering servant. The son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That's the only true position in the body of Christ, servant. If we are listening to the word of God, we are serving the word of God. We are stewards of the manifold grace of God. We have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. And the only way to do that is to serve others like a waiter serving a table. We serve them truth. We give them truth with our words and with our lives. There's no other position but a position of servant where we lay our lives down like our master Christ did so that other people will be drawn to that fragrance, drawn to that spirit, and will believe the word of God. It's not like the world who amasses people under them and lords it over them, but we serve. He who is going to be greatest in the kingdom of God must become servant of all, is what Jesus said. So there's only one place, servant. Notice the servant is with the man of God, who's the prophet of God, who brings the word of God. That servant is there close to the word of God. He arose early and went out. Why? Because you want to get up early. You want to get into the word of God. You want to tell others, And there was an army. He's seen this army. It's surrounding the city. Remember, he's already, we already told that they're there at night. They came with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now listen. Psalms 20 and 7 says, Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Listen, if you don't know that scripture by memory, Memorize it. Psalms 20 and 7. Chariots and horses is what men think are power. The armies of the land has the best weapons. They had horses and chariots. That's the best weapons. That was the strength and the might. But we will trust. We will batak. We will have faith in, in, in the name of the Lord our God. That's where our trust is. See, now look, because here's a servant. He's really close to the word of God, but he's scared by the army of the devil. He's scared by the army of the Syrians. He's freaking out, and he says, what are we going to do? They've surrounded the whole city. Listen to me. They haven't come down to the city yet. They're just surrounding Dothan. They haven't come down to the word of God yet. They're just there. And listen, it's just like the, the, the devil who's like a roaring lion. Let's see. Do we have that scripture someplace? Is that 1 Peter 5? Yes, 1 Peter 5. 
See, we're supposed to be listening to the word of God. We're supposed to be aware of the enemy and be watchful in the areas that we know he comes because he's a tacticianist. And what does it say here? It says here uh, in 5, 1 Peter 5, we're going to get that in our Sunday service soon. You know what? Look at um, 5.8. No, you know what? Let's do 5.6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. See, Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. That he may exalt you in due time. Remember that? Syrians means exalted. He's going to cast them down. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Listen, everything that you care about, everything that you are, are worrying about, you can give it all to God. He gave you his most prized possession, his son, to die for you, to bring salvation to you. He poured out his blood for you. You can give him everything else. You can't change his love. He loves you, but he says to you, be sober. It's clear-minded. Be sober. Don't let anything intoxicate your mind. The drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. The drunkard in the New Testament is the word methe, which is where we get our word methamphetamine. It means to be habitually intoxicated with anything. Doesn't matter whether it's a drug, you can be habitually intoxicated with the opposite sex. You can be habitually intoxicated with drugs, with alcohol, with a job. You can be habitually intoxicated where you don't think clearly with the mind of Christ if you're not paying attention to what the Spirit of God and the Word of God says. Look here, be sober, be vigilant. That means to be watchful. You're being vigilant. You're being sleepless. You're making sure that you're looking. Why, Greg? Because your adversary, the devil, uh, walks about like a roaring lion. See that like? He acts like a roaring lion. But we know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the true lion. The devil has been defanged. He's a toothless lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. How does he devour you? By getting you to believe his lies. By enticing you and seducing you. And you don't listen to the word of God. So you end up in the enemy's camp, P-O-W. But the spirit of God and the word of God will lead you away and help you understand who you are and see your identity so that you know that the enemy can't touch you. You've been set free. He has no power. He has no might. He has no ability to do anything to you anymore except what you give him when you believe his lie, when you stop believing God, when you disobey God and ignore the truth of God. Look what he says in 9. Resist him. You got a plan to resist him? Stand in the victory of the cross of Christ. Learn the word of God so that you can take the shield of the the shield of faith and put it out. The shield of faith constantly takes the sword of the spirit with it because the faith you're believing the word of God. In faith, you're believing the word of God. You're trusting the word of God. Resist him steadfast in the faith. There's your shield of faith. 
Why? Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, that everybody's going through this. The enemy's trying to lie to us. Uh, but may the God of all grace who called us, he's the one that called us, he's the one who'll take care of us, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that's how he called us, after you have suffered a while, he's going to perfect you, he's going to establish you, he's going to strengthen you, and he's going to settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen to me. Back in our text, this servant who is in the word of God, he's serving the man of God. He's right there next to him, sees the army. He's, he starts to freak out. He says, alas, my master, what shall we do? What does the word of God say? Well, one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to be afraid. Look what he answers him, 16. So he answered, do not fear. Fear not. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So listen, you get your eyes going on the enemy. You get your eyes out on the army. You get your eyes out on the battle. You get your eyes out on the war. You get your eyes out there on the problem, the predicament, what's going on. And you get your eyes off of the word of God and the spirit of God and the truth of God and your identity in God that you've been set free. When you get your eyes off of that, you go, what can we do? We, we, they, oh, we're in trouble here. What shall we do? There's no hope here. That's what the servant does when he is not listening to God. He's ignoring God. But notice who he's asking the question. He's asking the prophet, what shall we do? Right? We want to get counsel from the word of God. We want to look to the word of God in every situation when the enemy comes. We want to say, what do I do? I look to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit gives me the truth of how to deal with the enemy when he surrounds my city, when he surrounds my life, when it looks like there's no hope. I look to the Word of God. I remember my identity in God. And I know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I know that if he be for us, who can be against us? I know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that God will raise up a standard. And the standard is always going to be his word, Jesus Christ, the truth to set us free. I don't have to believe what I see physically because I know that I am spiritual. Let's get back to that point. It's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual kingdom. We serve a spiritual God. We're spirits in a body that have our eyes open now, and we know these things, so we don't have to fear flesh and blood. We don't have to fear the natural, because God is doing supernatural things in our lives. And we know that He is almighty. He's all-powerful. He has done everything for us, and He's already won the battle. The battle's over. Now the enemy wants to lie to you and try to get you to walk away, to ignore, not to stand in the victory of Christ. But make no mistake, that's where the saint is called to stand at. You don't have to fight in this battle. You stand in victory. We're not fighting for victory. It's already been won on the cross of Calvary by the blood of Jesus. What we want to do is understand and put our trust in 
this God who would die for us so that we could be safely in his family and learn to obey him once again. But make no mistake, we're servants. Servants of the Most High God if we believe in Jesus. And although the city is surrounded and there's enemies everywhere, the word of God would tell you, do not fear. Now listen, it's been said that, oh, the word of God tells us 365 times, fear not. It's not true. It's a lie. Sorry, it's a lie. I don't know who came up with that fancy sermon, but I went over it today. I looked at it, well, yesterday, and the Bible does not do that. Now, it does say, fear not, 144 times in the King James. It says it 129 times in the uh, New King James. But even in that, when you do the search, the fear and the not are separated in sentences. Uh, so it's very few times that the Bible says, fear not. It's not 365. Now listen, it talks about fear in the King James Version 385 times the word it's used. In the New King James, it's used 354 times. But it just says fear. Not do not fear or do not be afraid. It doesn't do it. I, I mean, I just can't find it the 365 times. I would love to believe that. I do know that I do not have to fear if I'm trusting in God. I don't have to believe the enemy. And see, the enemy is always going to bring fear. But you know, it's not just the enemy that brings fear. Your sin brings fear. Your sin makes you think that God is mad at you, but he's not mad at you. Listen to me. God has already died for our sin. God has already paid for our sin. God wants to be you to be at peace with him. God wants you to rest with him. God wants you to come to him. And the only reason you would be afraid of God is if there's sin in your life or if you do not understand the identity that you have in Christ. Listen to me, Adam and Eve, what did they say when they heard the voice of God in the garden and we were afraid because they had sinned. And God actually ends up killing the very first animals to ever die, ever die and he replaces their fig leaves with real clothing to clothe them because he loves them so much. Listen, you do not have to be afraid of God unless you are resisting him and saying no to God and walking in sin and rejecting God. Then you need to be very much afraid of him because one day he's going to judge all sin and all sinners that reject his free gift of salvation. But he sent his son to die, to set everyone free. And all you have to do is come and receive that gift. And then there's no more fear. There's just respect. There's a reverence. There's an awe that a God would love people who were hating him. That a God would lay down his life for those who rejected him. A God would demonstrate his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Listen, there's a great army surrounding the city. There's great fear in the streets. The servant says, alas, what will we do? But you know what he did? He asked the right person. He asked Elisha, which means the Lord is salvation. What has God given us in our salvation? What is our identity? We've been set free. 
So Elisha tells him, the number one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to be afraid of them. We're going to fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I've got a note somewhere. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Did I already mention that? Listen, God is for us. God died for us. We're servants of the Most High God. Can nobody snatch us out of His hands? We do not have to fear. And see, the devil wants us to fear so that we will disobey God. Our truth is to know that there's a spiritual war going on. And right now, as we sit here, there's more with us. Listen, there's more angels with us than any army that could ever come against us. We have the almighty God. We have all the resources of heaven. We have the power of God, the blood of Jesus, the salvation of God with us. And no one can defeat us. Does that mean there's going to be no suffering? No. Does that mean no pain? No. Because does it mean that our bodies might not be killed? No. But the whole point is to be in the family of God, to be delivered back to God. So if they wish to kill us, absent from the bodies, present with the Lord. We do not want to be motivated by our emotion of fear to run and flee and do the opposite of what the Word of God says. We do not want the world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one to control us by fear. Where am I going to get my next meal? Who's going to help me? What's going to happen? The enemy's around us. No. God is a great salvator. God has already saved us. He loves us. We are in His house. He will protect His house. Nothing will come against you except for what God allows. And whatever it comes against you, he's already prepared you a way of escape. But you must take that way of escape. You must look to his word for help. Do not fear. Listen to me. Do not fear. Fear not. What happened with Peter when he stepped out of the boat? He became fearful. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He's seen the storms. He's seen the enemy's activity. And he believed it. And he became fearful. Verse 17. So what happens? What, does, what happens then? And Elisha. Now we got his name. Not the man of God. Now we got Elisha. The prophet of God. Prayed. Listen. When the enemy tries to bring fear. Pray. Trust God. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Elisha instantly prayed. Anytime the enemy attacks, it, we should pray. Always pray. The saints aren't praying. Saints are ignoring prayer. Listen, prayer is a place of dependency. Prayer is a place of correction. Prayer is a place of aligning the word of God. Prayer is a place of asking God for help and humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he can exalt us in due time. He can lift us up. 1 Peter 5 there. It's 5, 6 or something to that. Humble yourself in his sight. Are you praying? 
Are you being watchful? Listen, when we put on the armor of God, and, and I would encourage you to memorize Ephesians 6, 10 through 21. I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. But look at all that we do in order to have the worldly stuff when we're really citizens of heaven. This is not our world. This is not our home. This is not where our heart should be attached. This is not how we should be living. We should be living and learning the, the language of heaven, the language of love. We should be learning to be citizens of heaven. But even in that, there's the defensive weapons, but then the offense says, taking up the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all, or praying always with the, in the spirit, with all perseverance, uh, being, I'm saying it wrong, ain't I? Let me go to Ephesians 6. I thought I had it until I started quoting it. But he says it's 6.17, Ephesians 6.17, New Testament, praying with all perseverance in the spirit. I'll get it, maybe. I do have it memorized. I just am not getting it into my brain right now. Oh, there it is. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's your, there's your word of God to tell us the heart of God and the mind of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. There it is. And being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Being watchful, there it is again, being vigilant. In prayer, listen to me, the battle's won in prayer. The whole war is won in prayer where you learn to be dependent upon God and trust God. You're in the word, prayer, and fellowship with other saints. When your life is right with God, you're going to know that you want to be with other saints. You want to be in fellowship. They're there to help you. To encourage you. To build you up. You're part of the army of, of the living God. The soldiers were called to be soldiers in God's army. To take part in the angelic conflict. So Elisha. What does he do? What does the word of God instruct us to do? To pray. So Elisha prays. Back in um, 617 of 2 Kings. That was 6.17 of Ephesians. This is 6.17 of 2 Kings. Lord, I pray. This is what he asked God. Open his eyes. Open the eyes of the servant of God. Why? That he may see spiritually. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. What did he saw, Greg? And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, God's army. Look at this. He opened his spiritual eyes to see his identity, to see what was going on, to see the spiritual realm. Listen, we can see it with our heart if we'll stop looking with our physical eyes at the fear that's around us. That God is here. You can believe God's word. You can believe his power. You can believe his might. You can believe his salvation. You can trust him. Open his eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you, Lord. And this young man, this servant, the word is used twice in 
in this text here, well, actually up in uh, verse 15, it's used twice, and the first one is talking about him being um, a worshiper, a minister, and the second one talks about him being a youth, a lad. Uh, even though it's the same word translated servant in 15, and uh, again here it calls him a young man. Open his eyes, and he saw. Isn't that cool? He saw the mountains full of the armies of the living God. But notice, I, I seen this, and I looked at the King James, it's the same, they were all around Elisha. They were there to protect the word of God. They were there to protect and bring about all the word of God. It wasn't just that they were all around, but they were all around Elisha, the prophet, the salvation. Everything is contained in the word of God. So now 18, it starts to get real. Listen, are your eyes open? I was once blind, but now I see. Now I know it's a spiritual battle. Now I know it's all about spiritual battle. But all of the kingdom of God, all of the power of heaven, all of the angels in heaven, all of the armies of God are with us in this angelic conflict. Listen to me. We already know that because our eyes are open to this through the scriptures. Look at 18. So when the Syrians came down to him, see, they were just surrounding the city. They haven't come down yet to attack. They haven't come down to take captive the word of God. They haven't come down to do anything yet. So Elisha hasn't said anything yet. Just because they're there means nothing. The parameters are marked by the lie, if you allow them to have bigger parameters, but they're also governed by God. God only, I mean, they, they have to obey God. They only allowed certain things in your life, and God always prepares you for them. Listen, so here they come. The enemy's coming down to him. What does the word of God, what does Elisha do? He prays again. Listen, we need perspective in prayer. We need the heart of God in prayer. We need to have spiritual eyes in prayer. We need to be coming and praying, worshiping God, praising God, being dependent upon God. He gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. Spiritual eyes are a gift from God. So when they come to attack, he didn't run off and go, I know you can't get me, but he prayed again to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And God, listen, King James doesn't capitalize he, and I think it should, the King James, but the new King James does. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So he petitions the Lord to strike them with blindness. Now this was a physical blindness for a time. I don't know if you remember, this word was used also in... Um, And Genesis, when the angels at Sodom and Gomorrah had the men that were there trying to get Abraham's daughters, he said, strike it. the angels struck them with blindness. And then they groped to even find the door. They were so blind 
uh, they couldn't even find the door. Now, listen, I believe that door represents Jesus. Blind people cannot find Jesus. The Spirit has to open your eyes to find the door. And, and so we have to ask God to open our eyes. Where was that at? His blindness. It is a sudden blindness, but it's only loss of sight for a while. Because they're going to get their sight back. The men that were trying to break into Abraham's house, the angels struck them with blindness just for a while. And so we're all born blind for a while, but we've been given a gift that we can have our eyes open if we will just believe in God's provision uh, of, of a salvator in Jesus Christ, the anointed. His blood pays for that, and it opens blind eyes. It opens our eyes up to see the spiritual realm. And this is a spiritual life. It's not a physical life. But right now, in order to protect, the Word of God blinds the eyes of the enemy. See, the enemy has no power over you. He's blind to you. And you'll not be visited with evil if you're surrendering to God. If you're obeying God. If you're drawing near to God. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. So God struck the enemy, the Syrians, the whole army with blindness according to the prayer. So that it's not just spiritual blindness. This was physical blindness. But it's also, it, 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 listen, because you're going to see it right here in the next verse. Verse 19. Now Elisha said to them, now he's speaking to the enemy. Do you know that that's the way we fight the enemy? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the rhema. That's a specific spoken word. The Lord rebuke you and bind you, Satan, by the blood of the cross of Calvary. For it is written, your perfect love cast out all fear. So you have to use the word of God, the sword of the spirit. You speak to the devil. You speak to the enemy. And you remind yourself at the same time that all fear has been taken by this perfect love of God. We don't have to be afraid of anything because God's got us. God owns us. He's bought us with his blood. He loves us. He's going to take us across the finish line. So that's why we learn the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. It reminds us of what God has done, what our identity is, how the enemy is lying to us. Listen, so Elisha speaks to them, verse 19. And what does he say to them? Look at what he says. This is not the way. Nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. You guys with me? Listen, he's not lying because when they get to where they're going, he's going to be there and they're seeking him. Listen. He's not lying to them. He's correcting them. Listen, the word of God corrects our ill intent. The word of God corrects us. See, we were the enemy. We were the one that was attacking the word of God. We were the one that was blind. We were the one that wasn't listening to the word of God. And we were looking for the wrong things and seeking the wrong things. And we were going to the wrong places. And we thought if we did this, it will be good. If we do this, it will be okay. And we were the ones attacking. And the word of God corrected us said you're looking for love in all the wrong places you're looking in the wrong places you're fighting the wrong battles 
Because God has already waved the flag that says, I'm at peace with you. And all you have to do is receive it because my son paid fully your debt. My son already paid it. All you have to do is receive it. Stop fighting that battle and begin to surrender and be the servant of God that obeys the word of God for the glory of God. So he says to them, and he corrects them in the direction that they're going. See, we used to be the enemies of God. And when we believe Jesus, it corrects us in the direction we were going. And we're supposed to go another direction. And when we do, it's going to be rewarded. But notice this. I also want you to see this in the enemies, that there's a possibility that there's some delusion there. Because you see it in our world today. People that are spiritually blind are also delusional. They believe all of the lies that the media and the devil and the world is telling them right now. So it's not just that they're spiritually blind and they're the enemies of God, but they're also delusional to believe rational, or excuse me, irrational things and to believe them to be truth. I'm not going to go into that right now, but if you've been following anything in the news, you can see that they're lying and deceiving, and there's people that believe them because they hate God. I had a conversation with a professor this week who just thought he was the smartest man on the planet, and I shouldn't have been in that, question, in that conversation, but sometimes I rush in where angels fear to tread, and there I am. And he said to follow the science. And he cussed a lot. And he said that I was ignorant for not getting a vaccine. And I said, well, what's the science? Are you, are you doing the science on your lab table? Or are you just believing somebody that's telling you about the science? I said, because science, God is the original science. He's the original creator. He's the one that originally told us what science is. He's the great physician. And when you start without God, you start with a lie, and you will end up with a lie. So your science is lying. He wasn't very happy with that. He cussed a little bit. He got irritated with me. He said, I was ignorant that I was going to get sick and kill my grandma because I wouldn't get a vaccine. And I said, that sounds like a talking point. That doesn't sound like science to me. That doesn't sound like science, especially when my grandmas are already dead. Sounds like nonsense to me. Sounds like sorcery. It sounds like someone trying to make me be afraid instead of trust God. So I looked at him and I said, you're afraid to die, ain't you? I said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm not afraid to die. But you're afraid to die. He said, I'm 66. Oh, I just want to live longer. He's afraid to die because you don't know God. I'm okay with dying. I don't want to die right now. I want to kick Satan in the face as much as I can with the word of God for the glory of God. But it wasn't a good conversation that I kept trying to bow out of and say, we're not going to reconcile two worldviews. And he wouldn't even agree that we had two different worldviews. He just kept saying that I was ignorant and wasn't following the science. And I said, the science is lying science. It starts with a bad uh, theory. And he goes, it's not a theory. I go, okay, I'm sorry. It starts with a bad hypothesis, which becomes a theory that you keep studying, but it always changes, and it's moving, but God's word doesn't. He wasn't happy with me. But I prayed for his soul, and I'm still praying for it now. 
And I pray that you understand that, listen to me, these Syrians are attacking God's people, even God's apostate people, but God still loves them. And God wants these Syrians that are attacking to come to salvation. He wants them to see his grace. He wants his enemies because we were all his enemy. None righteous. No, not one. We were all the enemies of God. And he came to give his enemies salvation. But some of his enemies will not receive it. Listen, we are all born the enemy of God. And Christ gives us salvation. He makes peace, Romans 5, 1, with God through his blood for us, and all you have to do is believe that. So he tells them to follow me. And so there's a little delusion because they know they came to the city of Dothan. They know that Elijah's there, but now that they've been struck with blindness, I think there's delusion there. So they're going to follow him, they're listening. But he led them to Samaria. That was the capital city where there was a strong fort there, a stronghold there, and an army there. So it was, verse 20, when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And there they were inside Samaria. This is kind of like a reverse of a Trojan horse, isn't it? See, the world wants to fight battles, but God has already won it all. God's won it. All we had to do is receive it and listen and surrender and become the servant and get into the word of God and obey and follow or be led by, Romans 8, 14, the spirit of God. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. I, I just love the way the prophet, the word of God, and the, the, the word of God and God are like one. Now, it's true because it's in the Trinity, and the Spirit is there also. They're all one. But as soon as the prophet, this word of God, asks God to do something, he does it instantly. There's this relationship. Because this is what God is doing. In union with everything, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are looking to bring his banished ones back to him. This is what they do together. So anytime you pray in the will of God, he's going to instantly answer the prayer that you give to God. And it's so amazing how blind them and they go, open their eyes and they're open. But where are they at? Look at this miracle. This is a miracle that's going on by Elisha. 21. Now when the king of Israel, Jehoram, saw them, he said to Elisha, that's a miracle here. He says, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Look at that. He sees his enemy and he wants to kill him. Jesus said, pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for your enemies. Listen to me. But notice the respect. He calls Elisha father. Pretty interesting, huh? And we know that they really don't like Elisha because Elisha brings the truth and they're apostate. But notice that this is, and pun intended, this was for all of Israel and the king of Israel for everyone to see. It was done right out in the open, right in the middle of the city. And so they were blind, led in, and then their eyes were open and they see everything. Everybody sees the word of God leading captive these soldiers right in front of all of them. 
Is the word of God leading your life? Is the word of God leading you to the place that God wants you to be? Are you listening and being led by the spirit of God in the word of God for the glory of God? So instantly, because of war and because of men and because of physical power and kingdoms, the king of Israel wants to kill this opposing army that's been raiding them. But in 22, listen to what the word of God says. Listen to what Elisha says. You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Because that was the thing in war. If you took them captive, you let them away captive, and you would take care of them. You'd give them bread and water. You'd feed them. You'd make them, and they become your servants. Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. But he's telling them, listen, he's telling them to have free will. They can go to which master they want. Feed them and let them go. This is the grace of God. Don't mess up this miracle, Jehoram. Just because you're king and you're physical and you want to win a physical battle, don't mess up the miracle that God just did and brought this whole army right into your hands. Listen, you should, this should be a witness to King Joram that God can win any battle he wants at any time just by speaking the word. That's all that was done here was a word. Let me pray. He speaks the word and they're blind. He speaks the word and they follow. They're delusional. They go into the enemy's camp that they came to defeat and are standing there. Then their eyes are open back up. This is the power of our God. This is who we serve. This is the one who saved us. This is the house we live in. This is the one who has all the armies of the chariots of fire in the, in the, all around us right now. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We can trust him. He's already given us his son, his most prized possession. How will he not give us everything else for life and godliness? If we just trust him. So these deserve death, but they got to eat at the king's table. Look at this. They deserve death, but the king served them food because of the grace of God that comes through the word of God for the glory of God. 23. So he obeys. Listen to this. This guy obeys the word of God also. Such a witness that the king, Joram, the king of Israel, apostate, he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master, back to Ben-Hadad. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now that's not an emphatically no more. Um, but as you grow in your identity and understand and, and, and see that the word of God is there and that God's wisdom is there and that the enemy has no power over you except what you give him, you know that that enemy will not attack that place. Remember when, when the devil left Jesus in Matthew 4? It was for a more opportune place to attack him somewhere else, to attack him another way. But the angels were even there protecting him. They had been given charge over him, lest he dash his foot against a stone. And so, again, like I said, uh, it says, came no more. So there's a significant span of time to verse 24. These Syrians, 
this enemy, this pain happened no more because of what they learned here. But you see in 24, it says after that, it happened again that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. Now, Ben-Hadad is a title for the king. And we'll learn more of that next week. But right now, let's look at, let's recap. Let's see. Listen, have your spiritual eyes been open? Do you understand that we're spiritual, that it's a spiritual war? We no longer fight a carnal battle, but the weapons of our warfare are, warfare are mighty in God for telling, tearing down strongholds. So we take thoughts captive. We take things captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, what's that mean? To his mind, to his word. We're looking to line up with the word of God, the truth of God, and our identity in God. Well, wait a minute, Greg. I don't know the word of God then it would be important for you to draw near to God, to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, and to begin to ask God. And then lastly, even if you don't know the word of God and you're a babe, you're a young man like this servant, young lady like this servant, in the name of Jesus, there's power. And when you cry out in the name of Jesus and ask him to save you, just like Peter did when he began to sink, and, and, and he was worried. He cried out to Jesus. And God will come and protect you. Trust in the name of Jesus. And do not be afraid. He loves you. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we know there's a spiritual battle for our souls. But we've already accepted your payment so our souls are safe with you. So now the battle is to keep us from trusting you, obeying you, believing you, following you, and walking in, in your truth and being sanctified for your glory. Lord, we pray you would complete the work you started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.